So his word to us this weekend in in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 11 was, But you, (coughs) O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, (coughs) love, patience, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you also were called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Bible tells us one of the greatest uh, heroes of the word, one of my favorite heroes of the word, is David. And David was a solid man. He, he, uh, the scripture tells he's a man after God's own heart. His goal and focus was to pursue God. In fact, at least 70 of 150 psalms were penned by David that are written all during his life. And what are they about? His pursuit of God. As a deer pants for the water, right? Have you ever been thirsty and how bad you want water? He says, that's how I want the Lord. Or, or have you ever been really hungry, starving, can't wait to eat? David would describe, that's the way I want the Lord. That's, that's my desire for him. <clears throat> and as he'd lay all those things out for us and, and all throughout his life, great victories, defeats, he's no different than you and me, Right? But there's a particular time in David's life that is important for us to understand because I think sometimes we, we want a vacation. We want a break. We want some time off. And the Bible tells us that in the spring, in the time when kings go out to make war, David stayed home. And so you have all of these incredible things that David did. Little kid who beat Goliath, right? The songs that they used to sing, David's killed his tens of thousands, Saul only his thousands, the things that they would do. But what is the one thing we remember? David and Bathsheba. Which happened when? He didn't want to fight no more. I've been fighting a long time. Most of my life I've been fighting, but I'm taking the springtime off. And just like we saw, the devil was waiting. No, that wasn't David's plan. He just wanted a break. <coughs> Generals are probably excited. Oh, it's good you stay back because you're getting kind of old and feeble and it's hard to keep you alive in all those battles. But the reality was that wasn't God's purpose for him. We see in our, in our, in our scripture this morning that we are called to fight the good fight. It's, in, it's interesting because the word, the, the the Greek word for fight is the word agonizomai. Agonizomai, if, if we, we need to kind of get into the context, okay? Context is not always about what words are and what words mean. But if you can't put yourself into the mind of the man who penned it, you don't understand what point he's making. We, we read scripture that says, contend earnestly for the faith. And we, oh, that sounds nice. Yes, we should contend for the faith. The same word, agonizomai. So we bring it into context. Let's bring it into context. The wrestlers in Greek wrestling in the Olympic Games, they didn't wrestle for some uh, gold, silver. There was no silver, bronze, second place. There was none of that. You won, you kept going. You lost, that best, they gouged out your eyes. At worst, they killed you. So when you were wrestling... It was not just, uh, well, I don't know if I can beat this guy. It was, man, I need to fight. The word 
agonazomai. Agonazomai. Contend for the faith. Agonazomai. Fight the good fight. Agonazomai. The attitude behind the fight is, man, I, I, I have to give everything because it, it, everything hinges on it. But we, it's so easy for us to go into to cruise, isn't it? It's so easy for us to go into coast. But he tells us, fight, agonazomai, the good fight. The good fight. That word good is not a word for something good intrinsically or inside, uh, something good in and of itself. It's something beautiful to watch. You ever thought about that? Fight, the beautiful fight, the fight that's beautiful to watch. And one of the great things uh, I love uh, watching is mixed martial arts because I think there are so it's like it's like the ultimate chess uh, physically because there's so many things you can do and opportunities and openings you can make where, whereby uh, the guy you're fighting can t- take you down and out. Now you watch me do mixed martial arts and it'd be uh, horrific. Don't watch that, man. That's bad, dude. I'm just a. Uh, I wouldn't even make two seconds. I, um, I, I don't have <laughs> any prowess anymore. I don't move like a cat. I think I do sometimes, but I don't. But when you watch guys who are gifted and talented in that area and you watch them, it really is beautiful to watch how they seamlessly move from one attempt to another attempt in a grapple or how they set up a, a right hand or a cross as a result of a feint and And when you watch people who know what they're doing, it is a beautiful thing to see. So here, Paul, after saying, look, flee all that stuff. Flee to sin. Flee all that stuff that wants to tear you down and pursue Christ. Go hard after Christ. And then in the ultimate description of what that is, he says, agonatsumai, fight. The good fight. The beautiful fight. So in order to fight the good fight, I, I, I... I gotta know what I'm doing, don't I? <clears throat> Otherwise, just like we watched in the skit, we come ill prepared, right? And the enemy, he's he's not dumb. He's been doing it a lot longer than we have, hasn't he? See, I think we can go all the way back to the fall of man for him. That's a lot of practice. The best I can do is go back 50 years. Some guys like Fritz can go a lot further back than that. <laughs> and they they have they may have more skills built up. But, so my point, I want to fight. I want to fight that beautiful fight. Now I want you to consider where this word is used other places in Scripture. I just want you to, I just want you to, to, to hear it with me. <coughs> Luke, <coughs> Luke chapter 13. Luke chapter 13, verse 24, says this. Strive to enter through the narrow gate. For many, I say to you, will seek to enter and will not be able. Would that sound familiar to anybody? Wait a minute, did somebody bring that up? You know, one of the things I love about retreat is it's, it's, we're pretty laid back. So we, we have a topic. I call all the guys, say, hey, are you willing to do something? Kind of follow along this vein and do what you want. You remember the vision that George told us on the first night? The man in the mirror saw the wide path and the wide gate. And then he saw the narrow path and the narrow gate, much more difficult path to take. A lot of people take the wide path, but what is it he says? Agonatsomai, strive to enter the narrow gate. 
Take the hard path. Take, take the narrow way. Don't look for, I want to take the wide path. I get more days off that way. He said, no, it's not about days off. It's about getting in the battle. Every day around us, how many people going to hell? How many people? I look at the news and I watch our country and the moral decline of our nation and I realize that's my fault. I got to take ownership of that. Why? Because God's called me to be salt and light, hasn't he? And if I'm not being salt and light, then my nation (coughs) is going to take a moral decline. I might say to myself, what can I do? But just like we just, we just had a word just a moment ago, brothers with shields linked moving together. You don't think if, if all the churches in Magic Valley banded together and, and moved forward to fight the good fight, the beautiful fight of the faith, and, and you don't think things would change in our neck of the woods? Come on. I guarantee it will. I guarantee it. Strive to enter the narrow gate. 1 Corinthians 9.25 says this. Everyone who competes for the prize <coughs> is temperate in all things. Nor do they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but an imperishable crown. Everyone who competes. Agonatsomai. Thanks. Hopefully it'll help. I might spray water on you guys. Sorry. <coughs> everyone who competes. Everyone who who enters themselves into the games with the idea that this is life and death. Because it, that's kind of removed from us today, right? We, we're, this is the generation where everybody wins. Everybody gets a trophy. There's no loser. Right? It wasn't that way in Greece. It wasn't that way when Paul wrote. When Paul wrote, you lost. It was bad. It wasn't, the, oh, maybe I'll get them next time. But you have to do it blind. So, so he's saying, look, compete. Everyone who competes, they're temperate. What's that mean? Temperate means they're, they're focused. For what purpose? To win the prize. To win the prize. Now for you and I, we don't, we don't wrestle. We don't fight. We don't fight the good fight for a temporary prize, for a crown we get to wear, or a medal we hang around our neck. I, for years, fought and fought to get a, a football championship ring that I never wear. Every once in a while when I move, I find it again. And I go, oh, look at that. There's that ring. Which, which was so important for so many years to strive and get this prize. But we don't do a prize like that that's perishing. We do it for a prize that never perishes. What is it that we were told? Um, just last night we were talking about uh, uh, Philippians chapter 3, right? That I press on f- toward the upward call of Christ Jesus my Lord. Look, the prize we're going through is him. You don't think that's a prize. Wait till the day you look in his eyes. Wait till the day you cross that line on earth and you enter having fought the good fight, having lived out those things, and you come before God Almighty and Jesus is there like, a, like an incredible coach saying, ready to welcome you in. Well done, champion. Right? You got one life. One chance to hear those words. Will we fight that beautiful fight? Philippians 3.12, not that I've already attained or am already perfected, <coughs> but I press on to lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. Agonatsumai, I press on. 
I fight. I'm engaged. I gotta, I gotta see God do the incredible things that He wants to do. Colossians 1.29. To this end, I also labor, striving according to His working. Striving according to His working, which works in me mightily. Well, there's two ways we can strive, fellas. We can strive in our own ability, which is an a exercise in futility. Because <clears throat> can you complete what God has begun in the spirit and in the flesh? Isn't that what the book of Galatians is about? Oh, foolish Galatians, do you think you can finish this? That I've begun in the spirit in your life by striving in your flesh? No, how is it accomplished? His workings. Do you know the most important thing for men to know about, about that? You know how to strive in his working? Men got to learn to bow the knee. Bow the knee. Means I, I'm on my knee before God. He's sovereign, not me. He's in charge, not me. The way he wants to organize it and put it together is him. How do I strive in his mighty work? I bow my knee before my sovereign king and I say, here am I. Use me. It's not about my plans or, or it's him, right? It's about him and allowing his spirit to move and work. And then Colossians 4.12. Epiphras, who is one of you, a bondservant of Christ, greets you always, laboring fervently for you in prayer. Agonatsumai, fervently, passionate prayer, contending earnestly in prayer. Is that how you describe your prayer life? Fight the good fight. Fight the beautiful fight. So I just want you to think about, I think a lot of us relate to, to Peter. I know Fritz relates to Peter. I know how I relate to Peter. If you're a knucklehead, you probably relate to Peter. <coughs> I just want you to think about Peter because Peter wanted to do things his way. What do I mean? Well, Peter, remember, I'll, I'll never deny you. All these other jokers may be losers, but not me. And as long as Peter would have been able to do it his way, I don't think he would have. Right? You remember the night? Jesus is going to be arrested. What did he tell his disciples? Come, watch with me and pray. Oh, uh, okay, you know, pray a little bit. They're out, sleeping. Jesus, come back. Guys, wake up. Don't you know? This is the night, dude. You've got to be ready. You've got to be prepared. You've got to have done all the, the things you need to do. Prepare for the fight that's coming. Come on, we've got to pray. They wake up. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, Jesus. They get up and, and they start praying. And Jesus walks away. Prays again, comes back. What are they doing? Sleeping. The last time Jesus wakes him up, he says, hey, wake up. My betrayer is here. Ding, ding. You ever have one of them nightmares where you, you're trying to get ready for some kind of boxing match, but you haven't started training yet, no running, you're just sleeping, hanging out, chilling, eating ho-hos and ding-dongs and Twinkies, and, <clears throat> and all of a sudden you hear the sound, ding, ding, and some dude all yoked up comes running at you. Yeah, that's a bad day. So they wake up. Peter wakes up. Now what is it that Peter wants to do? He wants to say, Lord, I'll show you. I'm willing to die. How do I know he'd... You pull a sword on 600 Roman soldiers. Well, let's put it into today. 
600 cops in riot gear and you run up to them and pull a gun. How's that going to work out? Yeah? What do they call that? Suicide by cop, right? Well, I think, I think Peter is ready to do suicide by Roman soldier. And he didn't, you notice he doesn't run over to the biggest, burliest Roman soldier, right? Who's he hit? Malchus, a servant boy. He don't even got a sword. He don't even got a sword. He's standing there. But Peter's like, dude, all I got to do is I'll whack this guy, that guy over there. I'll stick it in me and I will have died for my Savior. He didn't count on Jesus, did he? That's striving according to our own strength. How is it that God wants us to strive according to his mighty workings? And how do we do that? We contend earnestly in prayer. Earnestly going before the Lord. Earnestly wanting to see God do the incredible things that God does. How are we going to do that? You're going to bow your knee. We're going to stop whining that I can't do that. I tried, you know, so hard. Man, look, we're men. So if you wanted to be treated like women, you should have went to their retreat. But if you come here, we're men. So let's knock it off, man. I, I learned in the school, my dad was a Marine. So I didn't get the nice uh, come tickle my face wake up call. That's not how dad woke me up. He asked me one time, open the door, get up, close the door. I have a choice, right? If I didn't get up, I could tell you what was next. The bed upside down, the mattress tore apart, blankets and sheets everywhere, and anything else on the way out of the room flung all over the place. And the last thing he said before he closed the door, clean this up. <clears throat> but I was up. Jesus is calling us to be men, right? To be men? Which means we're the ones who fight. We're the ones who fight. You look at the great warriors in here. I'm not going to tell you there are no women, but when there are women who are the great warriors, what was the problem? We couldn't get men to get up. Couldn't get men to say, I'll pray. But that's not the most physically demanding event in our lives. But you know what might cost you? 30 minutes of sleep in the morning. Oh, but I already get up. I got to get up at 6. We'll get up at 5.30. I get up at 4. Get up at 3.30. I get up at 3. How many times I got to do this? Get up at 2.30. Do what you got to do. To be able to, to content. What's it say? Content earnestly. Well, I promise you, if tomorrow the dude was going to gouge out your eyes if you didn't do it, you'd been up. No, am I wrong? Dude, I'd have been up. Yeah, 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 yeah. If instead of flipping my bed upside down, dad gouged out one eye, I might be a one-eyed guy the rest of my life, but I'd have one. Right? <clears throat> so as we're considering this concept, fight the beautiful fight. I'm, I, <clears throat> I'm thinking about where in Scripture I see things, and so there's a couple of places. Bob, I gotta, when do I got to be done? You guys throw us out, or we got... Oh, cool. All right, so that could happen. Let's go to, to, you guys all thought other people can talk a long time. Man, you ain't even seen nothing yet. <laughs> Nehemiah chapter 4. So let's go to Nehemiah chapter 4, and I want to give you examples of what it is to fight the good fight. Right? That's what we're called to. Pursue righteousness, pursue Christ, pursue these things. Stop making excuses. Stop whining. That's somebody else's job. What's our job? To say, look, this is my role. God's called me as a warrior of the family. 
I'm supposed to fight for my family. And I can try to do it Peter's way, but when you do it Peter's way, all you do is hurt other people and make messes that, that Jesus has to clean up. So we got to learn to do it Jesus' way, right? What is it? The last miracle Jesus did was healing somebody one of his disciples hurt. You think that's the last time he's had to do that in life? Probably not. He calls us, contend, fight, fight the good fight. Nehemiah, <coughs> excuse me, chapter 4. Nehemiah, cupbearer to the king, Artaxerxes, comes back to <coughs> Israel after the Babylonian captivity. And he's come back to rebuild the walls. Daniel chapter 9 told us that the walls would be rebuilt, but it would be troublesome times. In other words, it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy, but, but Nehemiah felt the stirring of God so much so that he went to his king. And his king said, what, why do you look so sad? Man, the place I grew up is tattered. And they need somebody who will go in there and build the walls. So the king said, go do it. So when we come to Nehemiah chapter 4, a lot of things have gone before, but this is the battle I want us to look at. It says, but it so happened when Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he was furious and very indignant, and he mocked the Jews. You guys remember what we just watched? Right, the skit we just watched? You know how the devil starts? You know how the devil starts on you? Sambalot. There are basically four enemies of what they're trying to do. Um, the Ammonites, the <coughs> some of the Sumerians, Sanballat, Tobiah, um, a couple other guys. I don't want to go chase them down right now, but, but these guys, their jobs, they want to try to, they don't want to see something that God wants to do. They don't want to see people moving forward and, and, and establishing a town again that worships God. I want you to understand that the symbolism for the for the city of Jerusalem is not just some town like, like Buell. The symbolism of the city of Jerusalem is this is a city that loves God. And it's always put in conflict with Babylon. What's Babylon? That's a city in rebellion against God. So if we took all the cities down and we said life is a battle between two cities, Jerusalem, the city of God, and Babylon, the city of rebellion against God, and God's people are leaving Babylon to go back and rebuild Jerusalem, but they're starting to get mocked for what they're trying to do. Some of you guys go down the hill and you say, you know what, I'm really fired up and I want to try to be the man and the husband and the father that God's calling me to be. And you're going to step in and you're going to try to do that. And the first thing you're going to do is get mocked. And you might quit. And the one mocking you might be your wife. But I promise you, if the deal was, if I quit, they're gouging out my eyes, you wouldn't be so easy to beat, would you? So look what happens. Sambalot begins mocking. He spoke before his brethren in the army of Samaria, and this is what he said. These were the mocks. Look at them. What are these feeble Jews doing? Will they fortify themselves? Will they offer sacrifice? Are they going to complete this in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of rubble? Stones that have been burned? Man, they're looking at it. They're laying all this stuff out and they're saying, yeah, this is a big giant joke. How many times you guys thought you were going to be able to do this? This is too big a job. 
Too much to do. Our nation is too messed up. It's too late. Really, one of the saddest things I think we can do is we can say, well, Jesus is coming and I'm good. What? (laughs) You're not going to find that in the Bible. You're going to find in the Bible Jesus saying, do business till I come. Build walls. Do the thing that I've called you to do. So what do they say? The four things. You're not strong enough. You guys can't do this, you bunch of weak Jews. <clears throat> God's not going to help you. God's not going to help you just like we watched, right? Oh, God don't want you, you dirty, lousy, good-for-nothing sinner. He's not going to show up. Just lay there on the ground. Lay there on the ground. God won't help. It's too hard. There's a big job. There's not very many of us. I'm all by myself. And then they say, you got to use broken material. I don't have, you know, if I had decent material, but all I got is these old busted up rocks. Man, they keep breaking. And how am I going to build with all these broken rocks? I don't know. You know, just so you know, God uses broken material. If he didn't use broken material, he wouldn't be using you, for which he is building a temple out of you who are living stones fit together, rubbing the rough edges off of one another and becoming this incredible temple of God, right? All us broken pieces. So this is, the, this is what the devil's doing. He starts with mockery. He mocks him, he mocks him, he mocks him. <coughs> and Tobiah the Ammonite was beside him and said, anything they build, if a fox runs up on a wall, it's going to fall down. Like, you guys just suck. This work you're doing subpar. Now, come on, when we think about what it is that God's calling us to contend earnestly, to fight, aren't these some of the same things that we hear going on in our head? You're not good enough. You can't do it. You don't know what you're doing. And for the most, most of the time, that's where it ends. But if you, if you look at uh, Hebrews chapter 11, you guys know Hebrews 11 is the hall of faith, right? <clears throat> Hebrews 11 uh, in verse 36, you guys don't got to go there with me, but you're welcome to. It says this, speaking of the hall of faith, men who are faithful, men who stand before God and hear, well done, champion. What's he say? Still others had trials of mockings, trials of scourging, and chains, and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were tempted, they were slain with the sword. They wandered around in sheepskins, and goat skins, they were destitute, afflicted, and tormented. And then what's God say about it? Of whom the world was not worthy. What does that mean? It means God's thinking, he's looking at the life that they lived for him, and he said, that's my champion. They fought the beautiful fight. And it didn't mean they always had everything that they wanted. But in God's eyes, their life was beautiful. Man, don't you want to hear that? Don't you want to look into his eyes and see that? The day after we see him is too late to try. It's too late to do something. It's too late to say, you know what? I'm, I'm tired of trying to do this on my own, my own strength, my own ability. I want to do it the way God's calling me to do it. Well, let's look back at Nehemiah. So what happens? What's Nehemiah do? He hears all this. Nehemiah's leading the people. Verse 4. What's the first thing Nehemiah does? Hear, O our God, for we are despised. 
What's that mean? He's praying. First thing he does, he hears all this stuff going on and he drops to his knees and he prays. He prays, God help me. Why? Because I can't do this on my own. Could Nehemiah do it? No. The, the, were the rock builders just so good that they didn't know, man? It, it was, <clears throat> we got to beat this. How are we going to defeat it? By prayer. You guys tell me how many times your wives ask you to pray with me. I, I, every single morning, my wife comes to me and says, pray with me. And I kick myself. Ah, I should have said that first this morning. We've been doing it 30 years. And for a part of that 30 years, she'd say, come pray with me. And I'd say, no, I don't want to pray. Time to go to work. It's time for me to go strive in my own abilities and build my kingdom. What good is that? You know, 10 minutes after you're gone, your kingdom goes to somebody else. You know, Solomon knew that, right? Solomon had so much gold, so much silver, so much money. He didn't even count it. When's the last time you did that? Uh, To be honest, I never count money. (laughs) Uh. Sometimes because I don't have any, so there's not nothing to count. But other times, just because that's something my wife does, I don't, <coughs> I don't do that part. But he didn't even count it. But what did he say? What did he say in Ecclesiastes? What did he say? We look through the, the, para, uh, the Proverbs. What's he say? All this that I built is going to go to a fool. Who was the fool it went to? His son. What did he do with it? Broke it. Broke it. Don't waste your time building your kingdom. Your kingdom's going to fall with you. What is it that the scripture tells us? We've already heard it this week. But seek ye first whose kingdom? The kingdom of God. And then what's he, what's he, how's he emphasize it? And all these other things will be added. God says, seek me first and I'll take care of your kingdom. Isn't that a better way to do it? He prays. He prays. Hear, O God, for our weird despised, turn their reproach on their own heads. They call me dumb. Just turn the reproach on them. I'm, I am becoming <clears throat> discouraged. So he says, turn it on them. Let them become discouraged so they give up trying to talk about all this stuff like I can't do it. Let them, let them be discouraged. And do not cover their iniquity or let their sin be blotted out from before you. For they have provoked you to anger before the builders. What's the next? So he prayed. First thing he did, what he did, he prayed. Second thing, went back to the wall. Went back to the wall. He didn't have to have a cheerleader there beside him clapping. Oh, you guys are doing so good. They just went back to the wall. Why? Because we're the warriors. That's what we do. We go back to work. We go back to what God has called us to. Every one of us have a God-ordained mission from the Lord. If you're married, to be a husband. If you're a father, to be a father and to teach your children about the Lord God Almighty. We all have a job. And though we may be discouraged, we should go before the Lord, ask Him to flip that encouragement off of us, or discouragement off of us, and get back to the wall. <laughs> so He says, We built the wall. And the entire wall was joined together up to half its height. Oh, they're gaining ground, right? The wall's half back. (coughs) It's half its height. 
And it happened when Sambalot and Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, the Ashdodites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were being restored and the gaps were beginning to be closed, they became very angry. And all of them <coughs> excuse me, conspired together to come and attack Jerusalem and create confusion. So now they're going to start fighting them. They're not just going to use words. So first it's mocking, right? Then comes uh, the physical attack. Then comes the physical attack. <clears throat> so the first thing they did, right, was go get their swords. Oh, that's not what this says, right? What's it say? Nevertheless, we made our prayer to our God. How is it that we're to contend earnestly? Whose way? His way. My way? His way. How is it that I get His way? I bow the knee to Him. I bow the knee to Him. Lord, God, guide me, lead me, direct me. Now I'm going to do this your way. And then after I pray, what do I do? I get up and go to work on a wall. I get up and go to work. So what happens? And Judah said, the strength of the labor is failing and there's so much rubbish, trash, and we're not able to build the wall. What's happening? They get, they're getting their eyes off the Lord, right? Now the problems are getting bigger. The, 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 the stacks are getting higher, right? If, if we mess up now, I could die. And they take their eyes off the Lord and what do they see? Oh, we're not done yet. And Oh, there's so much tr- trash and so much work to be done. They start to lose focus. <clears throat> and all our adversaries said, they will neither know or see anything till we come to their midst and kill them. We're going to kill them. We're going to wipe them out. So it was when the Jews who dwelt near them came that they told us ten times, <coughs> wherever you turn, whatever you do, they will be upon us. So now you even have fellow Jews standing up and saying, they're going to get us. They're going to get us. We can't do it. We should stop. We should really think about finding a safer way or doing something different. So you got the enemy saying we're going to kill you. People's hearts and eyes turn away from the Lord. People starting to get cold, cold feet, right? And they, they want to quit and, and bail out on what's happening <laughs> and what's going on. Therefore, what, he, what does he do? Verse 13. I position men behind the lower parts of the wall at all the openings. And I set people according to their family with their swords, their spears, and their bows. And I looked and I arose and I said to the nobles and to the leaders and to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, great and awesome, and fight for your brethren. Fight for your sons. Fight for your daughters, your wives, and your houses. That's what's worth. You know why that resonates with us? Because nowadays we're, we're civilized, or we think we are. The reality is we're probably feminized more than we're civilized. And God is saying, I, I made you warriors. I made you warriors to fight for your family. I don't want to fight like, <laughs> like Peter did. I want to fight the way the Lord wants me to. So how do I do it? I pray, and then I protect my family. You stand in the gap, and you protect your family. How do I protect my family? I teach them about the Lord. I teach them what God's Word says. I teach my sons and my daughters. So when they go to school and they hear something else, I've equipped them so that they know how to defend their faith. That's my job for my family. 
That's your job for your family. That's your job for your wife. You don't have any of those. That's your job for your neighbors, for your communities, and then for the world. That's our job. So they put them together to fight. And it happened when our enemies heard that it was known to us that God had brought their plot to mind and brought it to nothing, that all of us returned to the wall, everyone to his work. So once everybody showed up ready, okay, you're going to come fight us right on. I got my family. You guys stay back there. Here's the gap. Let's do. Let's dance. What did the enemy do? What's the enemy do when you got all the armor on? What did he do right here? Walked up that aisle and said, I'm going to find somebody else. Didn't he? The Bible says your enemy, the devil, is always wandering to and fro looking for what? Who he may devour. You're wearing armor. You don't look like a good meal. You guys like shrimp? Anybody like shrimp? You like shrimp with a shell on it? Yeah, does anybody like that? No, what's the first thing you do? Get that shell off. Get that shell off. Well, the devil don't like shell and shrimp. So he's looking for one with no shell on it. That's what he does. He don't want to fight. That's what they do. They bail. They get out. So it was from that time on that half of the servants worked the construction. The other half (coughs) held spears, shields, bows, wore armor. And the leaders were behind all the houses of Israel or of Judah. (laughs) And those who built on the wall and who carried burdens loaded themselves so that with one hand they worked and with the other hand they held a weapon. One hand they worked. With the other hand they held a weapon. Now we just saw it a skit. So before you get in your mind, you know what, I need to go get me a, a XD40, you know, or something I can conceal carry so I'm ready to quick draw any time necessary. Well, what did the Bible tell us our weapon was? You got one. Word of God, which is sword of the Spirit. Do you know that with this, God created the heavens and the earth? Do you know that with this, He raised the dead? Do you know that with this, He healed the sick and the lame? Do you know that with this, He encouraged men's hearts so they wouldn't quit? So He said, with one hand they worked. Do we all have to work? Is that our role as men? Yep, we got to work. we got to do something. So with one hand we work, what do we do with the other hand? Well, you ought to have that in it. You ought to have that in it. Because that right there, folks, is who I am. I do what I do, but this is who I am. I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. I will follow Him to the day I die. I want to please Him with everything in me. And I know I don't always do that. Right? We fall short sometimes. We're honest, right? But what does the Bible tell us? What does my sword tell me to defeat the enemy who tells me, you loser? It says to take your sins and repent. Confess them to God and He'll do what? Ridicule you to the end of time. No, what's it say? He'll cleanse me and... Right? He'll cleanse me, forgive me of my sins, and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. So that I can do what? So I can get up. 
so I can get up. Yeah, a righteous man falls seven times. But I love how it ends. He gets back up. Oh, by the way, it says seven times. How often? A day. So don't be tripping. Oh, I fell today. I fell tomorrow. I fell good. That makes you human. What you do with it is what makes you a warrior. If I just lay down and quit and die and say, that's it, I can't do this, where I get up and I say, you know what? I'm supposed to pursue Christ. That's what what Judas did wrong. What Judas do wrong? He betrays. He betrays innocent blood. He weeps and mourns. He can only think about himself and how it affects him and ultimately goes and hangs himself. Peter, who did just as dastardly a deed, who denied he knew him three times while Jesus was being beat, their eyes met. Fritz told us all about it, right? What'd he do? We come back. In fact, Jesus told him, Peter, when you blow it, come back and strengthen the brethren. God only uses the broken. So if you're not broken here today, you get a pass. But since I know most of you, you guys are all screwed up. <laughs> we're, we're all broken. We all got problems. So good news. God wants to use you. Next thing, God wants you to be a warrior. Stop being a baby. God wants you to be a warrior. He wants you to fight his way, not your way. So if you look at your life, you've done such a stellar job on it, you probably wouldn't be here right now. So do it God's way. How do I do it God's way? I get on my knees and I pray. And then I get up and do what he's called me to do. I get on my knees and pray. I get up and, and do what he's called me to do. I want to go one other place, guys, um, to, to 2 Samuel chapter 10. Just looking at Old Testament concepts of, of the battle. 2 Samuel 10 is huh, one of my favorite ones for a lot of different reasons we won't get into. Huh, so, we got the battle of the people of Ammon. The people of Ammon have... have uh, um, Disgraced David and disgraced the men David sent to make peace. Remember, they, they shave half their beards and strip them naked. You guys know them? Remember the story? Anyways, so David says to Joab, You know what? Go take care of it. Joab was a bad man, just so you know. Joab, Secret Service not invented now. Joab was black ops all the way. That dude was. He done crazy things. Not always did, didn't always do what he ought to do. Sometimes he did, sometimes he didn't. But this is one of them times Joab's off the, off the hook. So <laughs> the king of Ammon knows the bad guys are coming. So he hires a bunch of mercenaries. And he's got all these mercenaries. And he's got a plan. When the, when, the, when the armies of Israel come up, I'll have my army kind of sit here and they'll come up to me. And all you mercies come in behind them. We'll have them. Between a rock and a hard place, and we'll waste them. So sure enough, here comes the armies. <clears throat> it says, when Joab saw that the battle line was against him before and behind, he chose some of Israel's best, and he put them in battle ray against the Syrians. So basically, Joab does this. He comes up, they surround him. Oh, we got guys in front of us, guys behind us. What are we going to do? All right, well, you guys face this way. You guys face that way. That's what we're going to do. We come here to fight. Well, the good news is if you're surrounded, you don't have to wonder which way to go. It doesn't matter which way you go. There'll be a bad guy there. So he says, we're going to put them both ways. 
And then this, listen to what he says. It says, And the rest of the people he put under the command of Abishai, his brother, <clears throat> that he might set them in battle array against the people of Ammon. And he said, If the Syrians are too strong for me, you come help me. If the people of Ammon are too strong for you, then I'll come help you. Be of good courage and let us be strong for our people and for the cities of our God. And may the Lord do what is good in His sight. What do we say? After putting on the whole armor of God, having done all, what's it say? Having done all, stand therefore. Stand. So they show up doing what their kings asked them to do. Bad guys, bad guys, bad day, all mercenaries. Uh, We could lose this. Joab says to his brother Abishai, you take on the Ammonites. If you're having a hard time, I'll come to you. What's that mean? If our brother's having a hard time in a battle, what are we supposed to do? Stand back and go, man, you're having a hard time, bro. If only you were as smart as me. I'm winning over here, but you're getting trounced. No, what did he say? Look, if you're having a hard time, I'll come to you. What's that mean for him? Who cares? That's my brother. I'm coming for my brother. <coughs> we come for our brother. What if uh, over Calvary Chapel Buell, God's doing all these incredible things and things are going on, but then there's another church in the area that's struggling and something's happening and it's going to cost us something, but, but we need to come alongside and help them. Shouldn't I just stay back and say, no, I'm winning my fight. I don't think so. If you're having a hard time, I got your back. If I'm having a hard time, you got mine. And we'll fight and we'll be strong. And the Lord God is going to do what he does. Right? God's going to do what he does. You know, sometimes God's plan for you is to lose, right? Well, that's a drag, but it happens. Second battle in the conquest, right? Jericho's first. What's the next one? AI. First one's victory. Second one, defeat. Oh, by a little guy. Got beat by a little guy. Nothing worse than a big old guy going into a fight with a little guy getting worked. Yes, I take it back. There's worse things. <laughs> but that's what happens. Sometimes God's plan is for us to lose, and we learn more from a loss. But what is it, what is it we learn here when, when we lose? What do we do? We get on our knees. Lord God, I'm sorry. My, my, I probably got out in front of you. Uh, I'm here. I'm here. I'm yours. I lost. I'm still breathing. I'm still in the fight. Here I am. Send me. What do we do now, God? What do we do now? And we go. What do we do now? And we go. What do we do now? We go. And we don't ever stop. And we don't ever quit. And we don't ever give up. And we keep fighting. And we keep fighting. And we keep fighting. And we keep fighting. And you don't get a day off. Because if you take a day off, the devil's going to be waiting. What's the first thing you do on a day off? Take off your armor. Right? Were you supposed to do that? I don't see nowhere in here the Bible says, put on the armor of God and every seventh day take it off. Does it say that? If it does, you guys show me because we'll straighten that out right away. He says put it on. How many times should I have to put it on? Well, if I did it right, I'd just put it on one time, right? And then I'm good. But what happens? What do we do? Man, I'm hot. This helmet, it's a pain. Oh, I can't really move with this. I need to take this off. I need to take this off. And now what? <coughs> Put that armor on. Leave it on. 
stay in the battle. Go back to 1 Timothy chapter 6. I just want to wrap this up. So many things that we want to that we want to see that God has for us. <coughs> so I can't go any longer than you guys can stand listening. So we're going we're gonna to come to the end. But look, we'll go back to verse 12 real quick. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold of eternal life. A fight, the beautiful fight. We, everybody got a, a, an idea for what that looks like? That's the beautiful fight. Now what? Lay hold of eternal life. The structure in the Greek there tells us a one-time action. How do I lay hold of eternal life? Well, let's go to John 3.16. We all know that, right? For God so loved the world that he did what? Gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes on him would not perish but have everlasting life. When's that end? Oh. So how many times I got to lay hold of everlasting life? One time. How do I do it? Look, it's no different than the fight. How do I lay hold of everlasting life? I bow the knee. You are my Lord and Savior. God Almighty, I'm here for you. <clears throat> Everything comes off of that, right? Philippians chapter 2, 5 through 8, tell us, Let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus our Lord, who being in the very form of God, being God, absolutely and completely God, did not consider that something to be held on to, but he let it go and came in the likeness of a man. Let me tell you just a little something about that scripture. If Jesus was really a man then Jesus was really God. That's what that scripture says. Same words. Same words. Can't get around it. So Jesus, who is really God, came really in the flesh. And what's the whole point of the story? Humble yourselves. How do I humble myself? What did Jesus do? John chapter 13, when the disciples are arguing. He got off God of the universe. He puts a towel around himself. And what did he do? He come before Judas and he did this. Judas, I love you. I love you. And he washed his feet. If he can bow his knee to Judas, you can't bow your knee to him? Don't stop bowing your knee to him. Get on them knees, man. Bow before our king. That's what it means. Confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus. You are Lord. I believe I believe you died for me, a wretched man for which there is nothing good. And I'm asking you, God, forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Redeem this mess. And use me. And what have I just done? Laid hold of eternal life. When's it end? It ain't going to end. It ain't going to end. Because you're going to stay on your knees there, ain't you? You're going to contend earnestly, aren't you? Right? That's the point. You're just signed up. That's what that is. I signed up. I joined. Let me tell you, when I joined the Marine Corps, I couldn't come up to him the next day and go, you know, uh, now that I've been here a while, I don't like this. I don't like the haircut. <coughs> I don't like that I got to shave every day. And I really don't like you guys yelling at me all the time. So I'm just going to go home, okay? Yeah, how do you think that worked out? Yeah, not so good, I can tell you. Not so good. I signed up. Man, we bow the knee to Jesus Christ and we're signing up. What does the Bible say in Philippians 2, verse 10, 11, 12? One day what will happen? Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. What does that mean? That means that us believers, we should have already done that. Yeah? We should have already done that. Bow the knee, confess. Jesus Christ is Lord. 
to the glory of God the Father, right? So I'm going to lay hold of eternal life. I'm going to put my hands on eternal life. I'm going to grab it and I'm going to say, man, I let go of this. This is, this is my relationship with Almighty God. It's everything that I have with him. <coughs> and then he says, to which, this eternal life, you also were called and have confessed the good confession. When do we do that? Look, I don't, I don't know where the church got sideways and I don't know why we do it. And <coughs> I know I'm part of the problem. But what happened when people got saved in the old days? They got saved, and what was next? They got baptized. Where's the water? Why? Because immediately they have an opportunity to confess. I want to make a confession. I confess Jesus Christ, and, and he's come into my life, and he saved me, but I want to confess that to the world. So we laid hold of eternal life, but then what do we do? We confess a good confession. We started our baptism, and that's not the end. That's the beginning. You, we get that? The beginning is at our baptism. What do we do at our baptism? I believe Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. He died for me. And he rose again. And I've asked him. I've asked him. I've bowed my knee. I've asked him, be my Lord and Savior. And what's everybody do? Because they're all brothers standing around here, right? Yeah, praise God. Praise God. What do you do? Dead to the old life. Then what? Alive to the new. Is that the end? Alive to the new, and then you kick in the butt. Go. Isn't that what God said? Go, therefore, make disciples. Doing what? Go make disciples, every nation, baptizing them. Oh, they got to make a confession, too. Teaching them. And lo, remember this. I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. I'm not ever going to leave you or forsake you. I'm not ever going to stop. I'm not going to give up. So we confess a good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Look at verse 13. <coughs> Excuse me. So I urge you, just hear this. I urge you in the sight of God who gives life to all things. And before Christ Jesus who witnessed the good confession before Pontius Pilate. When did you do that? Oh, that's simple, guys. That's Mark chapter 13, verse 62. Pilate said to Jesus, are you the Christ? Jesus said, ego me. me. Oh. There are people come to my door and knock on the door and say, what's the big deal about that? Oh, let me tell you. Ego me is the name of God. Ego me. It comes from the anu hu in the Hebrew. Anu hu is uh, Isaiah 40, chapter 40 through 48. You look at how many times Yahweh says, I am. I am, I am. Then you go to Exodus chapter 3 and Moses is saying, God, who are you? What did God say? I am that I am. Anuhu. Septuagint translates that how? Ego I me. What did Jesus say in John 8, 24? Unless you believe I am, you'll die in your sin. You're, you're stuck now. Either G, all you have to do is believe that Jesus existed somewhere in time in history past and you're good, or he's saying more than that. I kind of think he's saying more than that. What's he saying? Unless you believe I am eternal God, you'll die in your sin. Bow the knee. Confess a good confession. The same confession that Jesus Christ confessed before Pontius Pilate. Who's our example all the way through our whole life? Who are we following? Do me a favor. Don't follow me. I'm a mess. 
Ask the guys that know me. Don knows me. Fritz knows me. Mike knows me. You guys know me. You'll say, man, Jackie's a mess. If, you're, if you sit around and you go, you know, I was really into this thing, but then Jackie, he's just a jerk. I don't like him. Don't follow me. Don't follow me. I'll, I'll mess it up. I'm not the Apostle Paul. I would like to be. And I'm more than happy to say, follow me as I follow Christ. But who ultimately are we following? Who's called you? Jesus Christ. You follow him. Let's go together, right? Linked up. Boom, let's go. And a brother falls, what do you do? Kick him out? Get back there? Uh, uh, I knew that guy was a loser. And No, man, pick that guy up. If you're having trouble, I'll come to you. If I'm having trouble, you come to me. So then he says in verse 14, keep this commandment without spot, blameless, until when? Until the Lord's appearing. What commandment? What commandment? Fight the good fight. Till when? Till the Lord Christ appearing. That's your day off, folks. That'd be a heck of a day, don't you think? I can't wait for that day. But let me tell you what happens. Every Friday, they're killing babies in Twin Falls. Every single Friday, women line up and they're, they're aborting their children. We can ignore it. That's my town. I'm responsible. We got guys that go there every Friday. Do what we can. You get 15 seconds. 15 seconds. Go. So far, haven't saved a baby yet. But you know what? One day we will. One day we will. And one day I'll be able to stand before God and God say, what did you do about all the innocent blood they were spilling in your town? I stood at the gate, stood in the gap, God. I stood in the gap and I called them to repentance. And they walk by. And the Lord will say, yeah, they did that for me too. Yeah? And that's, that's, just, that's just something God's laid on my heart. I'm, I'm not trying to tell you guys to do it, but I'm just telling you, every Friday we're there. 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. And if we take a day off of Planned Parenthood, we go to a mosque. We've been to Twin Falls Mosque, and we've been to the mosque in Pocatello. And we're going to go to Dearborn, Michigan, and we're going to do outreach amongst the Muslims in Dearborn, Michigan, and tell them about Jesus. And I'll let all them other people who are freaks freak out about how we need to kill them all, and they're all idiots. That's the Crusades. I'm going to go to the ones who are here that I can go to, and I'm going to say... Jesus loves you. And you know what? Some of them are going to talk to me. And we're going to be able to talk. And maybe I'll get a plant of seed. I'll probably see no fruit. But one day I'm going to stand before God. And God's going to say, man, did you, did you reach out to the people who were lost? And I say, yeah, Lord, I did. But they just walked by me. Yeah, they did that to me too. Didn't they? That's not it. Man, all our towns are full of Mormons. Please don't say what's wrong with that. Oh, Lord have mercy. That's a wrong Jesus, man. That's simple. And we got lost everywhere. They don't belong to nobody. Yeah? Man, we got... Jesus said, he looked over at the fields and he said, look at them fields, man. Ripe for harvest. In Isaiah, 
in Isaiah chapter 6, <coughs> the Bible says, Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up and his train filled the temple. And God's talking to him about, who am I going to send to my people? My people aren't listening. I'm trying to tell them the truth, but they just keep walking by. Who am I going to send? Who's going to go stand in a gap for them? Who's going to make sure somebody doesn't walk by without somebody standing there and telling them, look, brother, if you don't turn around, it's going to destroy your life. You've got to come to Jesus. What did Isaiah say? Here am I. Send me. Look, unless the men of God in the United States of America across the board stand up and say, here am I. Send me. Our nation's in the toilet and it ain't coming out. And it ain't going to be from some new Messiah. You're not going to find some perfect king. You're not going to go with Cruz. Cruz, we got Cruz. Perfect. Everything's good. Or you're not going to say Doc. What's Doc's name? Doc. Carson, yeah. Doc Carson or whatever. There's a lot of, I'm not saying they're not good guys. They're not the Messiah. One Messiah, Jesus Christ. Our nation needs to bow the knee to Jesus Christ. And he's going to use us. That's it. He's going to use us. You going to go? He's calling. The saddest verse in the Bible, and unfortunately I can't quote it. Uh, Oh, I can quote it, but I can't tell you where it's at. Ezekiel, the Lord is looking to and fro, looking to and fro. I need somebody to stand in the gap. And God said, I can't find anybody. So God just watches them perish. Man, don't let that be us. That's what we come here for, isn't it? I come here to say, look, I, I, I want the pursuit. I want God to be my treasure. I want to go down a hill and stop whining about Oh, so they unfriended me. I told them about Jesus, and now they unfriended me on Facebook. Who cares? Get off Facebook. It's a dumb waste of time anyway. You want to know how it's a waste of time? Go on Facebook and start talking about Jesus. Watch what happens. Craziness. Ah, nutty people from everywhere. You know where you, where you, you can bear fruit? It's a gas station pump. People ask me all the time, Jackie, you always saying... <coughs> go engage, go engage. Where do I do it? Okay, I'll give you, I'll give you places, but people don't usually listen to this part. Friday morning, nine o'clock. Come, I'll let you engage everybody who walks up to that door. Engage the guy in line behind you at the grocery store at Costco. While you're standing with that dude, if you're behind me, you're waiting for an hour anyway because I pull up with three carts and it's going to take me forever to put it on the belt. And everybody else is looking for another line, but you're stuck there, and you turn around, there's somebody else stuck there, and you start a conversation. Yeah, I don't pick a good line. Yeah, me neither. And you start telling about the Lord. You know the Lord? You have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Oh, I knew I should have changed lines. I'm out of here now. (laughs) What's that to you? Who cares on the first word you say they leave? Who did you just please? You worried about the dude who's uncomfortable and left? When the Savior of the universe, the tears streaming down his face saying, tell somebody about me. Just do it. Just get it done. World's going to pot. And it's my fault. Ain't Obama's fault. It ain't nobody else's fault. I'm here. I got boots on the ground. If I don't do nothing, nothing changes. If all you want to do is complain in a coffee shop, that's not the place for you. You want to engage? 
The commandment that we keep until Jesus Christ returns, fight the beautiful fight. Fight the beautiful fight. You don't feel trained up? Get trained up. You don't think you know enough? Get to know enough. Ask, talk to Fritzy. Talk to the, talk to the guys who are doing it. Bottom line, the Bible tells us how we overcome the enemy. Blood of the Lamb. Anybody got that? We all saved, right? You got the blood of the Lamb? Oh, that's number one. Number two, word of their testimony. You got a testimony? You got a story how God saved you? Oh, you got two down. What's three? That's the most important one. They didn't love their lives. You love your life? You love your reputation? That's what everybody thinks of you. Who cares about reputation? Pitch that. Care about character. Character is who you are in the dark. When nobody's looking. And God knows that part. Keep this commandment faithful until the appearing of Christ Jesus our Lord. <coughs> I'm eventually going to finish these last two verses, I promise. <coughs> Listen, which he will manifest in his own time. When's he coming? Yeah. So what's our part? Whatever, don't pick a date. If you pick a date, just come tell me it so I can slap you first. <laughs> don't pick a date. Don't sweat the date. Do what? Go to all nations and share the gospel and baptize and teach people. And be ready. Make sure they're ready. Change our world. Which he will manifest in his own time. He who is the only potentate. I love that word. Well, you know what that means? The only supreme ruler of everything. King of kings. Lord of lords. Who alone has immortality. Dwelling in unapproachable light. Whom no man can see or can't, who has seen. <coughs> excuse me, or can see. To whom be honor and everlasting power. Amen. What's he saying, man? Wow. We got a big God we serve. Far bigger than we can comprehend. But I got a job to do. I got a job to do. So we got a challenge, right? We got to fight God's way on our knees. Fritz said it. Average length of prayer for the average believer is, I heard, under two minutes a day. You know, I'm a big believer in, uh, I don't know how much time it takes. Like, there's not a badge you get when you get to heaven. I prayed for six hours a day, but I was a butthead. That don't help. What is it that God wants? He wants you sincerely seeking and pursuing him in prayer. What did Paul say? Pray without ceasing. That means every day, driving down the road, you see something, you see somebody, you see a sign, something reminds you of something. Boom, Lord, God. God, help me, feel me, give me the strength I need to be a witness to them or this, or protect that guy I see on the side of the road as a, obviously a crackhead or whatever. Live a life of prayer, constantly on your knees. And when God gives you an opportunity, don't see it as a problem. It's an opportunity. No problems. The phone call, there's lots of problems, but they're not really problems, they're opportunities. Right? If a brother's taking advantage, straighten them out. I, I got brothers here I love because they do that. They go, they're, they're not afraid. 
They're not afraid. They're good. They're solid. They're solid. I eat breakfast with them every Wednesday morning. I love it about them. We want to be people like that to say, look, I'm going to be, I got to be who I am. I can't be Fritz. You know, Fritz is the most loving, compassionate guy I've ever met in my life. He loves people. He loves people. Praise God for Fritz. If I sit around and go, I can't be Fritz. I can't be Fritz. I can't be him. All I can be is me. And maybe I suck at whatever's going on at that time, but I still got to be me, being faithful to God, saying, here I am, send me. Can God work through me the same way he works through Fritz? Yeah, he can. What about, can he work the same way through you as he works through me? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Keep this commandment spotless until he comes. Fight. That's God's call. Fight. We ready? Because war starts, you walk out that door. Arm up. And let's get it done. Let's get it done. we see a brother fall, what do we do? Yep, if you're down, I'll come to you. If I'm down, you come to me. Yeah, we remember? We don't kick. We don't spit. We go pick them up. Get them back in line. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. Let's get it done. This time next year, our whole stinking communities, all of them should be changed. Right? Radically transformed by the power of Christ. Sound like a worthwhile project? All right, let's go get it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we thank you for this time. Thank you for the opportunity that we have. (coughs) Thank you for all that you've shown us and given us. Thank you that we've had the strength to sit here, but it's time to sit no longer. It's time to to, to engage so that we, like Paul, can say at the end of his life, as the axe is being ready to drop on his neck, I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. I have fought the good fight. That's our goal, God. So equip us by the power of your Holy Spirit to be the men you're asking us to be until we see your face. In Jesus' name, amen.
you find me all my fears and failures fill my life again give my life to follow everything I believe in now I surrender I surrender 